Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just nine. $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Bear Season 2 is here but we are just getting started talking about it here on post show recaps that's right everybody it is the return of the bear not only to fx not only to post show recaps not only to your hearts but your tummies as well as we're opening up a brand new restaurant here on fx's the bear hello everybody i am josh wiggler i am neither marissa garza or latanya starks and neither is my co-host but she is a jeff in her own <laughs> right uh she is my wonderful wife and a celebrated chef in her own right the great emily fox emily fox how you doing i'm okay you know i think uh all of us who are even remotely close to the restaurant industry have heart palpitations when we watch the show so i'm doing all right five episodes in i'm feeling good five episodes in so of course the bear season two has dropped in its entirety uh, if you didn't know that, then we didn't do a good enough job signal boosting that because we've been trying to get the word out here on post-show recaps. And much like the chaotic The Bear to begin with, some of the podcasting a bit chaotic as well as we've been coming up with new plans on new plans on how to cover this thing. Here's where it stands. The Bear Season 2 has been out for a day as you are listening to me speak these words. We are going to be covering the first five episodes of The Bear Season 2 on the podcast today. Then Emily and I, you and I, we're going to uh, watch the rest of it. We've only seen <laughs> we've only seen through Episode 5, so no spoilers beyond yeah. Episode 5. This will be a podcast that if you're only halfway through Season 2, be like, okay, great. Port in the storm because this has been intense and I need to know what's going to I don't I don't know what's going to happen. but I need to know what reasonable people think is going to happen. Yeah. Well, we're not reasonable people, so they're also in trouble. <laughs> we here. are unreasonable. We're unreasonable. <laughs> Our demands are <laughs> extravagant uh, and just absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, but we've only seen through episode five. So we're only going to talk through episode five. Then you and I, we're going to finish watching The Bear Season 2 sometime in the next couple of days, Emily. And we'll come back talking through episodes 6 through 10. So many. So many episodes. Two extra episodes to The Bear, uh, where it was 8 last season, 10 this season. Is it a little extra? Is it too much? I don't think so. I, I'm looking forward to talking about, well, at least through 5, no. At least through 5, for me, I'm thrilled that we're only 50% of the way through. Uh, whereas before, we were like over at this point, and probably well over, because that uh that uh the review episode is is like 
so intense, but pretty yeah. short. Uh, so I haven't looked at the run times ahead, but we're about halfway through and it feels good. I feel like yes. really, really happy with the pace. Yeah. Uh, so you'll get basically like two podcasts that are from the perspective of people who are currently cruising through the bear. We don't know what's happened yet. So this is the most like clueless one uh, where we get to just kind of take it as it comes. Then we'll have initial reactions to the second half of the season. And then you can expect all sorts of uh, panels of people talking about the bear, Marissa, LT, deep dives into the episodes. But if you're just going through it at a pretty fast clip, here's your one through five and your six through 10 podcast is coming uh, not terribly long after this. So make sure you're subscribed. Postshowrecaps.com slash the bear is the way. If you want to search by RSS link, when you search by URL, that's the one to plug in your podcast player of choice. You could also just search post show recaps the bear and you'll probably find us that way, Chef Emily. Rar. Did you say rar? <laughs> that's what a bear does, right? Rar. Emily, would you name a restaurant <laughs> the Fox because that's who you are and I remember you? I have to imagine that there are so many Fox restaurants that exist in some iteration. You need like to that. have an additional thing. Yeah. You can't just be the Fox. It would have to be like the Fox and the Chicken. No, that also yeah. exists in like probably. What about five the Hound? States. No, Taken as well. <laughs> taken as well. All right. So <laughs> we're going to be talking about one through five here. Uh, I got on the line the other day with the great Marissa Garza doing a little bit of uh, uh, Remember When, which I know is the lowest form of, uh, of conversation, uh, according to certain members of the family. <laughs> uh, but we did some Remember When talking about Bear Season 1 to set the stage for Bear Season 2. Emily, you and I just sort of like stumbled into a rewatch of season one a few nights ago. Yeah. Uh, and I remember uh, a, a standout from you. Uh, I was like, is this more or less stressful now for you than it was when you watched Bear season one uh, when it was on? Because you've been a chef for for years now. Yeah. Uh, but the Bear season one has been offline for about a year. A full year of chefery has passed for you. You've gone deeper into the bear pit. Uh, <laughs> this show has probably only gotten more stressful for you, would be my guess. Yeah, that's correct. I think what a lot of people might not understand about my specific career path, which I'm starting to understand more and more as it takes shape uh, post, uh, you know, deep, deep pandemic, is that I was doing a lot of events and I was also working sort of in the private sector where you work in people's homes. So that's not exactly the same sort of pressure cooker that we're uh, prone to experience uh, when you're in a restaurant itself. So when the bear season one came out, I was excited to watch it. Of course, I watched a lot of it and it made me feel like very nervous. And, you know, you you have sort of the ripple effect of what it feels like to work in, in high pressure situations like that. But I was personally like, well, you know, I've never worked in a restaurant, so I don't know that exact feeling. Uh, the last year since this has been out uh, leading up to season two, I've worked in, you know, kind of higher pressure situations uh, where I've gotten more responsibility, which is really great. Uh, but also with that comes more great power. Yeah, great power great comes power great, comes responsibility. great responsibility. Correct. But yeah, uh, I wonder are... if there's a Spider-Man in Chicago. They say that there's a Spider-Man <laughs> for all the different multiverses. Who knows? Is Chicago not a multiverse destination in and of itself? Uh, I'm sure. Spider beef. Spider beef. Yeah. You could just have it de uh, delivered to you. With, yeah. Flip, flip. Yeah. With a flip. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway. So, yeah, I think watching rewatching season one with you this time around, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I got a little pit in my stomach immediately. And then season two, I at least felt like, OK, 
I kind of know what to expect because I've seen all of season one and it's so fresh in my mind. But I'm really excited about how this has taken shape so far. Me as well. Uh, so I think leaving leaving season one the first time I watched it, and I was just watching it just to watch it, mm-hmm. uh, just to be part of the conversation. I, I was hates not being part of the conversation. I hate not being part of the conversation. Being it's part out. of my extravagant demands. <laughs> I must be included. Uh, the the first feeling I had was like, well, that was a really wonderful, tight, intense but complete story that was told. And I will be fine if we never see more of yeah, the bear. Yeah, I think it, it wrapped up really neatly. It felt that way. Yeah. It did. And then uh, season two is announced, and I am somebody who's a little nervous of a season two. Uh, I think the sophomore slump is real where it pertains to television uh, and may or may not have experienced one of those, uh, depending on some perspectives with uh, a certain spring show. But I don't know if everybody agrees with that. LOL. LOL. Uh, I feel like he here with the bear season two and granted we're only 50% of the way through it is more than justifying its second season for for me and if anything I'm feeling quite silly in thinking that there wasn't much more to do like Carmi's figured it out there's the mo- <laughs> the money's in the tomato cans they've got enough to start their restaurant Sid knows uh Sid and Carmi are back on the same page there's gonna be the sandwich shop at the side and the the chef's table at the bar and yada 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 <laughs> Richie and and Carmi are back on the same page too there's a lot of love between the quote-unquote cousins what more is there to be said and then I, uh, in watching season one again for this most uh, this most recent time, it's like, oh, there's probably a little bit more on the vine. There's a probably little a, bit a little more. bit more on the vine. Just a couple of grapes on the vine that could potentially be turned into a gelée with a beef consomme or whatever the heck it was that Sydney was talking <laughs> about you making. With all of these terms, I'm just trying here. Uh, and season two, very quickly, is like, okay, so. By the end of season one, we're turning the beef into the bear. That's the announcement. Yeah. And so, like, the fairy tale ending is like, and they all live happily ever after. Yeah, and they did it. And then season <laughs> two is like, no, it turns out that building a restaurant, despite what Top Chef tells you, can't be done in a day. Uh, <laughs> and that restaurant wars actually never ends. It's It started long, long ago, and it's never stopped. Uh, and now we're going to do the Restaurant Wars season. Uh, and so here we are in the process of, like, building the bear. And it turns out that it's going to be this multi-week affair. I haven't been tracking. You know, we're doing this first watch. Emily and I have only watched these five episodes the one time. So there's going to be a lot more depth to mine the more that people go and watch them and talk about them. Uh, so I, I didn't track it all the way, but I know at least starting with the third episode, they open with like 11 weeks to open. Uh, and then the fourth one is seven weeks until open. And the fifth one is six weeks to open. Like, Emily, you and I are back on our worst day ever bullshit. This is some Jack Bauer <laughs> does the bear. I think what we're seeing, though, is the realities of how difficult it is to execute a vision like this. You know, it's not just about like, sourcing the, the right ingredients and making sure that your dishes are are good which obviously Sydney is struggling with throughout these episodes of like building the menu figuring out what makes sense is this too much is this too little how sort of avant-garde do we want to be with it but we're also seeing the fact that like Carmi wants to be able to pass something in five seconds or less uh, we want to make sure that we have all of our 
uh, permits in place that we're able to have a beer and wine like like license that all of the appliances are going to show up and work that there's enough power ampage that there are the right inspectors showing up at the right times that we have plumbing we have electricity we have all of these different things that all have to work together collectively in order for this vision to even get off the ground that's a really hard thing to do it's like building a house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is, but also like the house has to be designed specifically for cooking and yeah. making money. Yeah. And the, you know, I think we talk about it in the show itself, but I think it's just general knowledge at this point that investing in a restaurant's typically bad business. Well, it's a hairy, yeah, hairy prospect. You don't have a lot of return. It's very hard to mark food up in a way that people are willing to pay for it. Hospitality is a very, very, very difficult and hairy game to play in just generally. They need to shave if they're so hairy. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you need to have a lot of people that are very good at their jobs. We're seeing Tina and Ibrahim like be sent to, you know, actual culinary school to kind of brush Sharpen up their on skills. their skills. Yeah. There, everyone has to work like in this very efficient money-making machine in order to churn out profits. And the reality of a restaurant is that you don't make profit for a long time because you have to invest so much up front. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, this is sort of the big thing of the first episode is they found three hundred thousand dollars in marinara money and they still need five hundred K on top of. That. Right. Like they still <laughs> they still need more. So they're going to enlist uh, Uncle Jimmy in order to go further. And I love like we weren't going to tell you. And he takes that so well. Um, I keep living in this fear that Oliver Platt, that Uncle Jimmy is going to be this mobbed up character that's going to send strong strong men after uh, poor Carmi and everybody else just to like break their kneecaps and take their money. Yeah. And I don't think that that's, that's this show. That's maybe the other show that I was referencing earlier that doesn't think uh, Remember When is a high form of conversation. But... <laughs> uh, Instead, he just always ends up surprising me by either how like on board he can become. He's like, all right, yeah, in 18 months, I get millions of dollars and I get the lot. Yeah, I'll invest in you. Sure. Why not? Let's keep going. Uh, or if like he comes in, he's going to see how slovenly everything is instead of getting super angry and like ripping up his contract and walking away. Sugar is just going to be able to completely manipulate him, just like reach into love, like love his that. like uh, his like strings of emotions, and just pull on each and every single one of them and move him out the door. It's so hard, Uncle Jimmy. Uh, so I've enjoyed his contributions to it. But yeah, like they needed his money uh, yeah. and they already had his money. Uh, it's clearly a really tough effort. I should correct myself. It's 550K that we have of his Total, all sure. together, including what they found in the first takes, first takes, yes. first pass, folks. Yeah, uh, we'll listen. get we'll get we'll get some stuff wrong. I got we'll my get, coffee. We're getting it. Done. We'll get so much right. We'll get so much <laughs> right. It's going to be totally fine. Uh, so, yeah, all of that is really uh, very difficult to pull off. And I think that there was this very helpful montage early in the season so far uh, where there's um, I think it's it's Sydney who's like looking through all of the various different restaurant closures. This one closed due to COVID. This one closed due to also COVID. This one also uh, due to COVID and various other reasons that show up. And we just like cut from place to place to place. And we're going to we're going to need the Chicago experts of LT and Marissa on the line at some point soon to weigh in on how many of these are actual Chicago restaurants uh, that we're seeing in uh, in this montage. Well, yeah, they, they are. We know that there's a lot of like Chicago restaurant people that are featured when when Sydney goes out on like her very big day of eating. I do think that that was a single day, uh, that single day where she's like eating 
the uh, the the egg sausage hash brown <laughs> sandwich. Yeah. Then she's going and getting dumplings and all of this stuff. I was like, oh, sit. I think I have in my in my notes. Yo, Sydney, you gonna shit her pants? Uh, <laughs> luckily, that didn't happen. She just went out and ate all the stuff. So clearly, I mean, that's kind of my shows dream job. To Chicago. I would. What love- shitting your pants? No. <laughs> No, clarify fox no going to all of these different restaurants and doing research like trying to figure it out based on flavor and texture yeah. and you know dish sizes and how the service works everything just going and like kind of trying to crack the code and enjoying a good meal in the in the process that yeah. sounds great so there's some tension this season between like uh your uh how to live your life while also having a job that commands you and i <laughs> I Do know, you have any uh, I know specific, that season uh... one of the bear felt like a real call out to you, Emily. Yeah. I'm like kind of having to be like, huh, I don't think I'm getting the message uh, here watching season two. <laughs> uh, is there something wrong with just having your job be your everything? Be your entire life? Uh, When's the last time you went to a party, Josh? Uh, gosh, I'll do anything <laughs> to avoid a party. I do not believe that that was Carmi's first party, though. I no, really don't. No. I don't think so. But I think his head's been down for so long. He's really not interacting with his peers whatsoever. Yeah, they think that he's Logan Finello <laughs> uh, or something like that, yeah. which I loved because I was out here a year ago and many people were out here on the Internet being like, Jeremy Allen White for Wolverine, please. And thank you. He would be incredible. Mm. He's He's got like the short king, strong guy vibes that Wolverine from the comics always has and of course wolverine's name is logan so gotta wonder if that was like a specific shout out to the big logan discourse one wonders i think what does he say about logan he's like logan's tough uh (laughs) the thing about he says the thing about logan is he doesn't give a fuck that's logan uh it's like okay this is gonna be a meme uh and i just want to get out ahead of it because that's true that's real uh but he says to sydney early in the season i think it's episode two when they're at uh, his his place, I think, is where they're doing all of yes. the, mm-hmm. the cooking. Uh, and he tells her, gosh, what's the exact line? It's something to the effect of, like, if you're going to, uh, like, you need to love everything more than you love anything. Like, yeah. everything about the uh, the process. Like, every uh, you're going to have to care about everything in brackets in the kitchen more than anything in brackets outside of the kitchen is basically the idea. And Carmi maybe not practicing what he preaches <laughs> in the arrival of Claire, Molly Gordon, uh, who is playing Claire, uh, a, uh, a former flame. Uh, Emily, uh, things are heating up quite, things are heating quite quickly. Up. Yeah. Episode five. I would say a uh, now flame. By the end of episode yeah. five, they're facking in the kitchen. <laughs> Leave your tools. I made I made that happen. Leave your tools. Yeah. What does he say? He says, "Fuck your tools." Yeah, it's like yeah. Uh, your tool. Very well, I believe is what he says. Yeah. My final notes from Pop, the fifth episode, is they're gonna fack. Uh, so I think that that's what happened over there. Uh, I love to see Carby having a little bit of a life outside of all of this. It's not easy for him. It's very clear that this is a struggle. Yeah. Like he he has this line in episode five where he's like, I feel like I've missed so much. Uh, and like he missed college parties. You know, you maybe missed a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you you were in Copenhagen and Paris and stuff. Like your life was interesting too. Uh, but it is cool to see him have a little bit of a life outside of this thing. I feel like, um, 
I don't know what the show's answer to this is going to be of like, can you have it all? No, Emily? you absolutely cannot. Not in this high level, I would say. At would... this high level is sort of like yeah. the operative thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, that's what he's trying to operate on, right? Like he's basically saying, I want this to be the best. It's going to be a tasting menu. Like the intricacy that's involved with all of that. It's not like he's like, I want this to be like a like a really fun neighborhood pub or something like that. Because like I still think he would apply that level of expertise and seriousness to everything he would do there. But this is next level. We want a Michelin star. We want to be seen. We want to be the best of the best. And people who are like that tend to not do anything else because there's no space for that. Yeah. Is this um, why I don't see you as often anymore? You're just out there trying to make your Michelin starred restaurant, Emily? No, because I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like it's such an all-consuming affair to like get your business to operate at a certain level. I felt really seen in, uh, I believe, again, it's the end of episode two when uh, when Sid is out to dinner with her her father, who you clocked, uh, Robert Townsend. Yeah, is the actor. if you ever watched the show Parenthood on WB. Yeah, he was he's he's Sydney's father here. Uh and uh he's like I feel like got a lot of concern on his face when he's like and how many stars are you trying to get uh because like a, like you're a, a striving for a certain level and like this will completely take over your life. Yeah. Uh, and I felt very seen where it's like you know like one star would be cuz like that sounds great. Yeah, a one star business sounds perfect. Uh, you know, like a certain amount of investment, but you can also maybe read a book. Uh, but I don't know if uh, reading a book is on the menu for uh, some of these people. If they're reading a book, it's about it's something culinary. It's <laughs> you know what? It sounds like Richie's been reading books. Okay. <laughs> Richie's been learning. Richie's trying to clean it up. God, he stresses me out so much. Richie's trying to like say things. Like he's trying. Everyone to... was always like, "I'm so impressed by this character. I know a guy like this, or like he's just so good. He's so in it. He's so dedicated to this." And I'm like, I can't stand him. And I know that I that's him. part of like the vehicle of like what he's supposed to be doing for me. But like I can't. I love him. He stresses me I out so. He's much. just trying to find his purpose. So say we oh all. My God. This is all we're trying to do. He's just trying to find his purpose and not say G A Y out loud anymore. Oh. Uh, gosh, uh, there were uh, a couple of Richieisms in the first episode where he's like trying to like untangle everything that Mikey uh, had left behind. He says, oh, Mikey's a real Kevin McAllister. Uh, it's like, it's McAllister. Like, it's Kevin McAllister, local Chicago hero. You should be able to know who that is for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know. It's it's very funny, especially being in Chicago. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, the password, go fast boats mojito. Uh, how many people are going to have that be their password? <laughs> moving forward. You just gotta change the drink name at the end of it. Yeah. Like uh, Pina Colada. Uh, Go Fast Boats Pina Colada is a really long password. The hackers would have a hard time. Yeah, especially Unless you're like, a huge he... Jimmy Buffett fan. Yeah, then like, <laughs> oh yeah. Buff Buffett's whole army is just waiting at their like, <laughs> their dark army computer fleet. Yeah, they're ready to go. Pina Colada, what an amateur. I think it's interesting that Carmi is like slowly but surely by the end of episode five, seeming to like really want to like fill the holes in his life, maybe not just with work. 
and that Claire, this this woman from his, you know, his childhood, really, who knows all the same people he knows. They had a thing once upon a time. They were kids. It's not really serious. And now they're both adults. They both have really high stakes, all consuming jobs. Uh, she is also 100 hours on, two hours off. And what she works <laughs> with is like very gross and intense. Uh, so they have that in common. Uh, and there's a world in which like that's actually a pretty good fit. They're both going to be like, you know, roughly busy and free uh, at the same pace. Though perhaps at, at totally different time. times, yeah, which no. would make this impossible. Uh, but I think that it's cool that he has somebody that uh, could kind of like relate to that grind. And yet at the same time, while he's trying to figure that out, his partner, maybe there isn't total equity there. Uh, surprise, shocker, where Sid is really, as we're seeing with her, doing basically nothing but trying to get the bear off the ground. Yeah, I think the the exchange that I really enjoy, it's at the end of episode two or three, I think, where they're both like, so what are you going to do? Right. What are you going to go do at the end of the night where they're at the lockers? Um, that speaks volumes of like, I'm just going to go home and crash, come back here as soon as possible and keep going. Um, but we see, obviously, Carmi's able to kind of get distracted by Claire in a good way, I think. And Sid's just nose to the grindstone but she's really feeling the heat i think in a lot of ways because a lot of this is resting on her specifically to kind of fine-tune everything menu wise and she's not being called in when things are going wrong like she's like why didn't you call me why right. didn't you tell me that this was happening i'm supposed to be you know part of the team here and i can't help if i don't know what's happening on the ground right so she's pissed about that She's going around doing all the footwork. She's like literally trying to poach people from their jobs at their jobs. <laughs> that was a very funny scene. Uh, but she's trying to hire people. She's trying to figure out the menu. She's getting in her head about the menu. Yeah, which I think is a normal part of this process. I think anybody who's a creative, whether you're a chef, you're an artist, you're you know a dancer or a musician, you do something enough and you do it over and over and you want it to be perfect there has to be an editing process that like some part of you that's like, wait, I need to step away from this for a second. I need to rethink it. I don't know if she's gotten that chance yet. I think she's so close to everything that she's just kind of like in a lot of ways reeling because there's so much being thrown at her. Uh, but yeah, you know, she's trying to instruct Tina at one point of like, okay, we're going to put all of these different things on a plate and this is what this is supposed to represent. And this is how this is supposed to go. And Tina's like, it's a little is, busy. Yeah, it's, it's a, a little, little busy, busy, Jeff. And she, I, I, and you know, you want to defer to Sydney because she seems to be like on the ball, knowing what she's talking about. But then you see her second guess herself, where she's like, "Is it too busy? Is this too much?" And I think everyone hits a wall like that when you're trying so hard and you, all you're doing is the same thing over and over and over again. Sometimes it's good to step back and have someone else say something. I mean, that might be really helpful feedback from Tina. Yeah. Uh, so she's struggling with with that. And uh, we are seeing glimpses of like this pasta dish that she has in her mind. I love the way that the show renders like the mind's eye. Like you Where can tell like that that's what's on. everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then replating it. What what is the shape? What does this look like? Like yeah. she sees it in her head. And at least as of episode three, I think, where she goes to um, uh, her friend has like the, the kitchen that she can use. Right, right. Uh, and the guy's like, if it doesn't work out, we're hiring. Uh, so like she's employable. She'll be like, you know, uh, employable after this, hopefully, yeah. uh, if this if this goes south. But like 
she's struggling to make that dish that's in her mind's eye. And some of that has to be because of, again, who is probably like a famous Chicago restaurateur who, who we don't know. One of the one of the women she meets with is basically like, oh, I had a partner situation once. Like there's a lot of uh, red flags, red yeah. flags, red flags about working with Carmi and how she's like pouring so much of her heart and soul into creating this restaurant that is primarily not just not her vision, but like Carmi specifically, like this angry little white man's, you know, uh, <laughs> situation that I feel like she's like, I don't know if this is the thing. Like you're starting to get that vibe that like she didn't know who Claire was. She's like, who is Claire? She's very kind to Claire when Carmi brings Claire to the workplace, yeah, yeah. but brings Claire to the workplace during a really heated moment with everybody feel like the fallout from this might not be so great. And I can imagine the world where Sid doesn't want to stick around and build this specific restaurant when she could be building her own thing, potentially. Well, we've watched her jump ship before where she's like, I can't do this. I'm leaving. You know, that happened in season one. So you've been very clear about like yeah. what to do when she feels like she's being mistreated. Right, right. So is this going to be another situation where she's going to be like, your head's not in the game. You're you're hanging out with this girl. Like, I keep waiting for you to show up and do the things with me and you're not doing them. Like, what's my role in this if you're not 100% committed? Right. I keep thinking about how, like, they both want to be doing things a new way. Like, they don't want, like, the old patterns to but continue. But it's kind of the same. Well, it is. But, like, these kinds of things, like, you have to work towards, right? Like, you have to, like, keep working to, like, keep the thing moving forward. And I'm hopeful that sort of in the way that when she when she has that scene with Sugar and uh, Sugar's mentioning that Carmi's is probably out with Claire and Sid says, who's Claire? And we cut away. Uh, I was really thinking like on a lesser show, the next time uh, Sid and Carmi are in a room together, she's just like ripping Carmi apart for having the audacity to have a life. Uh, and that's not what happened. There's another fight that's happening at the bear uh, and uh, Carmi and Claire pull up to it. And Sid is very kind to Claire. And the whole thing is like awkward, but diffused relatively uh, maturely. Uh, I hope that there is a world in like one of these back half of season two episodes where there's something where Sid's like, I don't care. Like if you have a, I, I want you like, you should be able to have a life, yeah. but then I should be able to have a life too. And there needs to be some balance here. And that hopefully there could be like a resetting kind of conversation here where everybody can get back on equitable footing, but maybe that's not good TV drama. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Emily. I don't know either. Um, I will say though, I'm really enjoying this season, how we're getting very specific character development from all of the different players in the kitchen. Yeah. I think that's something I, I kind of craved first Same. season where you didn't get to know a lot of the people in the background, the way that you're starting to now. So for example, Marcus goes to Copenhagen. Um, How many people are going to be booking trips to Copenhagen? <laughs> people who are like, I've got vacation time coming up. I've it's been a saving cool for place a trip. I hear. We were going to try to Where go should there, I actually. go? Yeah. 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 Um, should we get our tickets in soon before they blow up? You literally said that to me last yeah, night. Yeah. It's a like, joke. joke. I, feel, I feel like this is going to get intense. <laughs> people know it's a food destination. Yeah. Though. Obviously, the famed Noma is based there. Only open for a few more minutes. You, we um, saw glimpses of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And obviously, we see Mark is walking towards it he's staging with another pastry chef um played by will poulter right. uh who is showing up here yeah right so he's really starting if you google the actor with the eyebrows will poulter shows up <laughs> predominantly will poulter he kind of dominates you the beat that before yeah it's a thing he knows about it oh okay yeah he's aware all right mm -hmm. yeah. um 
But yeah, we're seeing Marcus in a whole new light where he's starting to understand sort of the more classical training behind a lot of these bigger chefs that are in Copenhagen doing really cool, you know, innovative stuff, blah, blah, blah. He's starting to understand, you know, the mind of, of what it's what it's like to to work in a place like that versus kind of like fumbling through books. And, you know, he, we see him pretty early on in this in this season asking Sid, like, I need more material. I right. need more stuff. So the fact that they're able to be like, go to Copenhagen, do your thing, stage for a little bit, live on a boat, live on a boat. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, figure it out and then you're going to come back here and we're going to really knock this out of the park. Like that's a pretty incredible opportunity for somebody who seemingly, you know, just kind of fell into this line of work. Yeah. The place I'm staying at is a boat, I think is <laughs> is the line for Marcus. Yeah. There's a lot to say about the various different cast members on, on the bear of this season beyond just Carmi and Sid and, and Richie who, uh, you know, we talked about a bit, but like his whole deal is just like, uh, he's trying to find his utility here because everybody else seems to have like actual professional skills that they could bring to the table or potential. He doesn't know about his purpose, his potential. He's just getting like moldy ceilings dropped on him like he's a Looney Tune with an anvil on his head. Yeah. Uh, but we're seeing like the professional training of characters like Tina and Marcus, who Marcus basically gets an entire episode uh, dedicated to him here yeah. in the front half in Honeydew, which is the Copenhagen episode directed by Rami Youssef. Uh, yeah. If people haven't checked out Rami, the show, they should. I think you and I are behind a full season. We are, but I see him in New York every once in a while walking on the street and I've met, I've made eyes with him a couple of times. You've now. been making eyes with Rami? No, not like that. Okay. But, you know, I saw him at MSG a couple of weeks ago. He walked past our apartment one day and I looked at, I don't know. He's he probably is, like, who's this woman I see every once in a while? He is the he only, he is the all. only person, <laughs> he is the only person who has directed on the bear outside of uh, series director Joanna Callow and creator Christopher Storer. Got it. Uh, okay. So he's the only other person who has ever directed an episode of the bear uh, based on my preliminary research. Well, that's a uh, pretty research. cool place to to kind of have your directorial debut for the show. Yeah, Copenhagen episode was yeah. really, really cool. Really made me feel like I wanted to go. I thought that there was also just <laughs> you like- You want to go everywhere. I do. There was, <laughs> well, I wanted to like specifically afterwards, I wanted to like try like the Minty Snickers bar that looked so good. That spoke to you on many levels <laughs> yeah. because this man had a stomach bug earlier Yes, this I talked week. about this. I was yeah, sick. I was sick. you kept begging me to get you a Snickers bar. And I was like, I don't think that's what you need right now. <laughs> yes, yes. I was really, really down to just uh, get a Snickers bar. He as kept being as like, possible. you know what I really need right now? A Snickers. Is, is nougat. <laughs> yeah, I needed a nougat. And you said, what if I came back with a Three Musketeers? I said, I wouldn't be pleased. Yeah. <laughs> I needed a crunch too. Uh, but then simultaneously, we recently had, a, and folks, this is a PSA. If you are not aware of this treat, go seek it out. Dark chocolate mint Kit Kat. Yeah. What? That was a so good. impulse buy at the cashier. Yeah. At the grocery store. Yeah. I picked that up one day when I went ran in to get coffee last minute because I ran out of coffee. And let me tell you, it was you, so good. That uh, it was quite good. That's the small candy bar, you know, this is the up. small candy bar of your dreams. Yeah, folks. that keeps giving the gift of good memories. Great memories, Emily. Oh my God, <laughs> here we are. Remember winning again. Uh, but anyway, I uh, was thinking about those things with the mint. Snickers bar. So yeah, this was like it really spoke to me. Uh and I and having so Will Poulter just had a very big um 
a big role in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, so the last time I spoke about Will Poulter, I wasn't terribly kind towards Will Poulter on a podcast because I didn't think his character brought much of anything to the movie and didn't need to be in it. Wow. Uh, I really loved him in the Copenhagen episode. I thought he was great. I really liked the conversation with Marcus about how, like, he wanted to be the best. He was angling towards being the best. Then he met a guy where he realized, oh, I'll never be the best. And now I know the best. And that's good. And let me just see if I can, like, come close to keeping pace. And by keeping pace with this guy, he himself has become, like, a next-level pastry chef. That's really good advice for Marcus. I really loved that scene uh, yeah. where they were just, like, what? They were, like, cutting uh, cutting dough, basically, right? Uh, they were just, like, proofing dough in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and they uh, just, like, were talking about their lives. And I liked the way that, like, Marcus is, you know, bringing some of his own biography into the story and his mother has been sick for so long and then he was in school and like he keeps giving details but like the camera like Will Poulter's googleable eyebrows just sort of like twitch uh, when he hears about the mother and so like he latches onto that and asks about that so it was just like a very like human real conversation and then I think this episode also did probably like the most like inhuman uh, like supernatural lynchian thing I've seen the bear do which was the barbed wire bicycle man. Yeah, that which I don't scared think the a... crap out of me. I was like, something yeah. bad's going to happen here. This is a trap or like something awful is going to happen to Marcus as a result of helping this man. And like, I haven't seen anything since. No, I'm he just really hoping that he that just was hugged just a him. standalone thing. Yeah, a very, very drunk just man. Hugged him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if there's terrifying, if there's more to be done with that, then I don't know. Uh, you don't know. I don't want a part of it. If there's like, <laughs> if there's a lot of like commentary within that one, it didn't hit me right away. I'm going to have to be one of the people who like, I need to read about season two of the bear. I want to know what was the deal with, with that, with that scene. Like, is it like you could even go to Copenhagen and in life is still pretty messed up. Uh, you'll, <laughs> You can go. You can go to paradise, and there still might be a man just Stuck enmeshed in, a in barbed fence. wire. Yeah. yeah, he was in a chain link fence. It I looked think. painful. Well, whatever yeah, it, it didn't was. look great. You know, <laughs> not great, Bob. Uh, not great, barbed <laughs> wire. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm not really sure, but it was it was haunting. It was it was scary. There was this element of danger, and instead, Mark is like um, risking, you know physical safety with with this guy and like uh, making a move he is he gets like a, a bloody like violent hug for it but a hug all the same so i hope uh things work out well for marcus i really like marcus a lot i i loved the copenhagen episode honeydew i thought it was called. really beautifully done i yeah. really enjoyed it too um meanwhile yes tina uh is uh thriving uh in culinary school uh she has her own chef's knife now don't you put that in the dishwasher folks uh that is to be hand washed only yeah that and, steel yeah and not with a brillo pad or anything that has no. any sort of oh, be yeah. gentle yes go gently just a soft even a rag you can wash it with your fingers and then wipe it with a rag in the same direction yes uh, do not put it in the dishwasher do not use an abrasive sponge get that abrasive kind. out of here we don't want that i'm just here to help you with your knives leave the <laughs> abrasive alone and you should also always have sharp knives too sharp don't have knives. dull knives dull knives are more dangerous than sharp knives okay we've got some uh some some knife information for you here yes. uh so so <laughs> tina uh played by uh liza colon zayas who i am learning today is married to david zayas who you might know as angel batista 
on Dexter. Uh, so uh, that's fun. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Okay, we like to see that. All right. Uh, she had her own Hannah Waddingham karaoke moment here in episode five, so that was great. You have an actor who is a professional uh, stage performer; may as well lean on those skills if you could do it naturally. I mm-hmm. thought that this was, you know, she's hanging out with her coworkers. It's going really well for her. Where's Ibram? What's happening with Ibram? Yeah. He's, he's gotten like very spooked out by the, the continued escalation of this turning into something that the beef decidedly was not. And he's dipping out on school, Emily. Yeah, I think that this is uh, a difficult storyline to watch because I think he brought a lot of goodwill and funny sort of charm to the kitchen season one. And obviously we're stepping up our game season two. So uh, it makes sense to have Tina and Ibram sort of in culinary school honing their skills. But it's pretty clear like he immediately is sort of struggling with just like the basics of chopping and doing some prep. And you can see Tina's really loving it. She's leaning into it. She's gleaning more information and he's having trouble with it. And I think, you know, we kind of understand sort of like based on his small anecdotal memories about the fact that he came from Africa and was in like war torn, you know, Somalia, I think. Okay. And how difficult it was for him. And like now he's in the kitchen kind of like messing around and like just cooking stuff up and nobody has a lot of oversight over him season one. So season two, the fact that they're like, okay, you need to learn how to like dice these vegetables. And he's a lefty. There's like a lot of stuff that we just see physically from him, even in like the few snippets where we're like, okay, is he up to the task? Does he really want to take this to the next level? Or is this something where like he's been through a lot already and like this is a huge bruise to his ego? Can he make it? Can he make it work for himself? And instead, we kind of just like Tina's see him. Yeah. And we see him sitting by the lake, basically smoking a cigar is the last time we've seen him, even though she's talked. Tina's talked to him on the phone a little bit to be like, where are you? I haven't gone this long without seeing you. Was she talking to him or was she leaving a voicemail? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to know. So I'm a little nervous about that because, uh, you know, I think it's very likely that he's embarrassed and doesn't want to you know dabble in this because he's not seeing the results that he might have thought he would have i don't know yeah it's an intimidating you know prospect to go back to school at any age i think but especially for something where this has been like your career so to speak and then you're suddenly looking around and you're not great at what you're doing compared to everybody else that's a difficult thing to manage yeah so i hope that we're able to have something resembling a happy ending for his story but i'm i'm nervous that that one will be a little bit of a darker tale uh as like tina is on the rise so like how like this transformation of this space will lift some ships but maybe not all ships richie being another one who like yeah is he gonna be able to like measure up like consistently carmy is being told like you got to do something about him and that even here at the end of episode five as far as we've seen that sugar is saying this to carmy uh and i think for carmy specifically with richie his attention is probably really focused on him as like a stand-in for his brother you know at this point like the two of them have mikey so in common they're closer than they've been uh carmy and richie are uh he's not gonna like give up on him right like i'm not gonna give up on him that'd be like giving up on mikey but like our circumstance is going to force you to to do that. Uh, 
you know, if he's like continuing to do shit like like trying to steal the neighbor's power. Yeah, which like or is hide just, like, illegal and super dangerous. Like he has like a you know, like an extension cord when they're fighting and you're like, no, no, yeah. no, this isn't how we do do this. You need an electrician to update the ampage. Like yes. that's how this works. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm not so sure. Um Okay, some other storylines to get into. Sugar's pregnant. Sugar's pregnant were the two next words about to come out of my mouth. And she's so obviously pregnant. It's kind of funny. I love where she's like, all right, well, so I got to tell you about a thing. And I didn't tell you because I'm just trying to keep my options open. I don't know, but I don't take it that I'm not excited. I'm so excited. Uh, But I don't want to tell anybody. And then the wall comes down and like everyone's like, congrats, sugar. (laughs) So everyone knows sugar's pregnant now. Well, yeah, she's she's pretty obviously pregnant. Project managing sugar. more Abby Elliott. I think I, I like what they're doing with her this season. Yeah, she felt a. Uh, I was saying this to you the other night. A little thinly drawn the yeah, other in the first season. Yeah, she didn't have a ton to do season one, which you know, in in and of itself, like that's fine. I think she showed up and and did the job and and what was written for her. But I do like seeing it fleshed out a little bit more in this season. Yeah, I agree. So uh, where that's going to go? Notably, uh, we have not seen Pete. Uh, her husband, who, as I said on the pod- he knows? <laughs> on the podcast with Marissa, Pete, Sugar's earnest husband, generally disliked by everyone, is how he is described on the Wikipedia. Yeah, um, and if she's not psyched about telling everybody that she's pregnant on that end, I can't imagine she's super psyched to be pregnant with him either. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious to see is Pete going to show back up? In what capacity is Pete yeah, going to show back they, up? Are they kind of? not living together what is the scenario here i don't know so that is a to be determined i can see him being like a great dad though uh like yeah this is awesome well he loves to drink the ecto cooler so like he's down to take the naps uh (laughs) with everybody else uh so yeah where that's gonna go and how that's gonna factor into everything is really uh anybody's guess at this point other character with increased screen time this season is indeed fac uh, uh, <laughs> Fack is back. Neil Fack, Maddie Matheson as yes. Fack. Uh, a lot of really funny scenes between him and Richie. Uh, Richard Lawrence, I'm gonna call mom. Uh, <laughs> was a really really fun one. Uh, so I I was like a little reticent to see him pop up on the show in the first place. I did mention to Marissa on our Table Setter podcast what I had said to you the other night about how the bear feels like it's a vice show, but scripted. Yeah. Uh, and Maddie Matson being on the show just only enhances that feeling. Yeah. You were like, we need action Bronson and then we're good. And then we're set. Like <laughs> get me mayhem, you know, let's get big body over here. Uh, we'll really just turn this into what it ought to be. Uh, F the bear is delicious. Uh, so, <laughs> but I, I think like he hasn't had much to do other than more comedic relief, but I guess he is also kind of like a universe binder. Uh, because Claire uh, is connected to Carmi via fact. Yeah. Uh, Carmi gave Claire a wrong number, and she knows all the facts. She says, I know all the facts. I'm going to send them to beat you up. Uh, <laughs> and so she got in touch with them. So, like, I don't know. I feel like he's kind of like the person who knows a little bit about everybody, which is probably bad for Richie, because that's sort of Richie's thing, too. So, like, you do really feel that, like, Richie is, like, kind of getting, like, squeezed out of having any purpose on this show anymore, which is kind of interesting. It we did is. meet his daughter. We oh, saw, yeah, that's true. We saw Richie be a dad. Yeah. That was cute. And we know that he's capable of being, like, a decent dad. Yeah. So. He, uh, I mean, <laughs> you know what? Maybe, like, I don't know if this is all Richie or some his mom or some combination, but his daughter, knowing that Richie still has to pay child support, 
probably not a thing that that kid at that age should, should be know. parroting yeah. back uh is what it feels like to me but i did think that uh when he says i love supporting you uh was was real and sweet <laughs> i thought it was real and sweet. i love supporting uh you. and i was like it's cool that mom's doing well at work right like we like that don't we <laughs> uh that was that was fun um, so as we are hitting the halfway point here in season two, it's six weeks to open five episodes left. Are we open by the end of season two and did it go well or did it go poorly? When next you and I talk, Emily, people who've watched the whole season already know the answer right now. Did this blow up or was this good? I think there's going to be a lot of hot messes leading up to it, but I bet you that they're going to like take a bite of the dish at the end of the season and be like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. What's <laughs> the, my, is, is it going to be Sydney's pasta? Yeah. She could perfectly execute it. I hope so. Tina will. Yeah. Tina's going to pull it together. Tina using Carmi's knife. Yeah. Tina's going to figure out how to make the pasta dish. Mm, it's going to be it. a collaboration. When, uh, <laughs> When Sydney told Tina that you you could be my the look on Tina's face when she found out she was gonna be sous chef. That's such a good feeling. I loved that moment so much. Has anyone asked you to be their sue yet, Emily? No. No. You could be my sue sue podcaster. <laughs> I am your sue podcaster. You're my Emily podcaster. <laughs> uh so I think it's probably I don't know. I'm the sue to your life. The the uh the Season one finale has such like a mo like a note of hope to it that I do feel like if we are just like doing sort of like the Ted Lasso takes pages from Star Wars thing, uh, then season two probably has to end on a bit of a dark note. Yeah, I can see it to happening. give us something to do in season three. Like the other meta timeline is if in 18 months we haven't been able to make money, you get the place and the lot. Right, right. So, you know, they're, they are kind of like uh, down to the wire with that information. So, yeah. But are we greenlit for season three? Uh, as of this current recording, we're recording on premiere day, June 22nd, and it's not quite noon yet. I don't think that a third season has been officially greenlit, uh, but you got to imagine it's coming. Yeah. So... Uh, and yeah. under normal circumstances, I would say, like, this seems like a show that they're able to turn around fairly quickly. Season one premiered uh, June 23rd, 2022. Uh, season two premiered June 22nd, 2023. You would think that season three could be in that June 24th, 2024. Maybe. maybe. But probably not because of the writer's strike. Yeah. And maybe SAG-AFTRA as well. And <gasps> probably not the DGA because the DGA is like, ah, we'll just work with them. We'll, man, be, we'll just work with the man because we're kind of the man anyway. It's like you can't do any of the work until the plumbing's been put in. That's right. It's something like that. <laughs> yeah. I am annoyed, though, because Top Chef taught me that you could make a restaurant in a weekend. And so I'm kind of like, hey, can't you guys get your acts together faster? But that's why restaurant... I've seen Richard Blaze do this. That's why Restaurant Wars is always such a hot I mess. saw Leah Cohen do this. <laughs> I don't remember how it worked out for Leah Cohen <laughs> in Restaurant Wars. It's really, really, really Stefan really was hard. fine. It's really hard. Any of the previous restaurant wars. Yeah, it seems like it's really <laughs> difficult. Yeah, it's super hard. You're not a restaurant chef. No. And like But the, I work I, in catering, and let me tell you, that's not an easy feat by any stretch but of I gotta imagination. Imagine this show just only helps to reinforce, like, yeah, I'll never be a restaurant chef. Do you know how many people have asked me that actually in the last few years of like, oh, have you worked in restaurants before? And every time I tell them no, they go, Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. 
So that should speak volumes. Okay. Uh, I'm running through my notes. I have some uh, some leftover notes of anything that I wanted to make sure we got into. Did we want the bald eagle to weigh in on? Our oh yeah, I don't know if you, there's so a bald far. eagle in can the you background. Guys hear the- Eagle don't know if chirping. you can hear the bald eagle in the background. <laughs> uh, we'll be getting into all of the episodes in deeper detail in the weeks ahead. So we don't have to like, you know, go through absolutely everything. I did enjoy that. One of the first images you see in season two uh, is all of these pictures coming down from the wall at the beef of like famous people who'd come to the beef. Anthony Bourdain yes. uh, was one of them. The mm-hmm. late great Harold Ramis. Also the late, the late great. great Paul Rudd. Should we be worried? <laughs> You know, there's like Paul a. Paul Rudd is aging backwards. We don't need to worry about him. There is a through line. He's uh, like the Dick Clark of actors. Well, you know, Paul. <laughs> listen, Paul Rudd is the murder victim of Only Murders in the Building season three. What the hell? That's already been out there. That's the premise of season three of spoiler. Only Murders in the Building. It's not a spoiler. He joined the cast to get killed. He was killed. And now the question is, who did it? And that's and he's going to be part of it. It's going to be fun. We all think. right, all right. So I just want like this is an FX, this is a Hulu joint. This is it a shout out? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that synergy is there. But I laughed. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Right There's also a ghost through line here that we could get into. Paul Rudd, Ghostbuster now. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know why he's on the wall. Why they're taking him down? Uh, Chicago <laughs> legend Paul Rudd. Uh, bars ke- barkeeper's friend. What's barkeeper's friend again, Emily? I was so I was obsessed Josh, with Josh barkeeper's friend when I was talking so to like, this morning. They were like, "Okay, we should clean up these pots." And she goes, "Barkeeper's friend." And they're like, "Yeah, let's do it." And Josh looked at me and he goes, "You should be taking notes yeah, right now. You should be taking notes. <laughs> Tell us about barkeeper's friend." I have some in our kitchen, and I have for years. What does it do? It just helps get like really bad grease stains off of things. It's uh, like a, a very abrasive cleaner that you can use on so many things. Well, as a big greasy guy, I should be using <laughs> lots of barkeepers. No, bread. you shouldn't. It's not good for your skin. Okay, so those are some of the things that I that I had had <laughs> written down. There's a. Uh, <laughs> A description of a type of lightning that I also think is charged, and I don't want to yeah, get into. I, don't think we need to get into that. I love when Sid's like, "Okay, having heard a little bit more about why it's called Jewish lightning, I think we can't talk about that." Yeah, uh, let's get let's add that to the list of things Richie can't say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. Uh, there is uh, what else do I want? Oh, uh, that Sydney had uh, once needed to she she had a lamb ragu, but she didn't have a pasta for it, so she put it on a bunch of King's Hawaiian rolls. That sounds so good. Yeah, man. That's like the delightful sloppy Joe. There's, the food talk, obviously, some of the things that are being aspired toward do sound really good. It was the beef consomme, smoked bone marrow, and frozen conquered grapes was the was the suggestion. Um, <laughs> there was also the suggestion. <laughs> I love watching you read this of a veal stock sundae with fennel <laughs> ice cream. That Carmen goes. That sounds delicious, but it was just a joke when he was meeting Claire. Uh, <laughs> That breakfast sandwich that Sydney eats in episode that three looked, really, looked really good. ridiculously good. The textures on that. Yeah. I just keep thinking about that. More breakfast brown. sandwiches need the hash brown. Yeah. I do think. I've never not liked a hash brown. Yeah, of course. Because you're. Unless it's like really, really like moist and, and floppy and sure. like not crunchy. Uh huh. Which can happen. Uh, I thought it was very uh, touching uh, Sydney's dinner with her father, where they were clearly celebrating her late mother, uh, who yeah. Sydney is now older than yeah. uh, when she was alive. Uh, so, uh, uh, what what is it? I think it's like uh, older but just as wonderful, I think is the. Yeah. Is the line. So that was really sweet. Um, I did want to go to Copenhagen. I saw the Copenhagen hot dog that Marcus ate. (laughs) That looked quite good. 
Do you think it's better or worse than the Icelandic hot dog? Uh, the Icelandic hot dog ruled. So yeah. uh, I quite liked the Icelandic hot okay. dog. Music's been lit this season so far. I have not. So t- much Jeff Tweedy. Uh, well, it's uh, so much Wilco. It's, it's the bear. So there's always a lot of yes, lot Jeff of Tweedy. Uh, so Handshake Drugs was the first Wilco song off of A Ghost is Born, I believe. So, wow, look at this uh, guy dropping your Wilco knowledge. And I didn't have to read from my notes on that one. How about that? <laughs> Uh, I think it's off of a ghost is born. Uh, so if you were waiting for a Wilco drop, you didn't have to wait longer than the second needle drop of the season. First was Bruce Hornsby. And I was like, whoa, baby. Oh, my God. Take me down to the harbor lights. Uh, I don't know which song that was. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, Holiday Road. I'm sorry. We're turning this around quickly. I don't have time to wand off Holiday Road into the bear for people. Oh, but thank God. Uh, Holiday Road kicked up. And I think I did point at the screen. I go, oh, Holiday Road. You're like, what? And then Holiday Road started playing. Uh, <laughs> so I enjoyed that. The music's been good. And of course, the theme from The Great Escape. Uh, so lots of great stuff here uh, in uh, season two of The Bear so far. So that's the first five episodes. Loose conversation. Yeah, very uh, loose. And any other, be a little tighter. <laughs> any other any other predictions that you want to make for the second half of season two that the people who've already seen the second half of season two can laugh at us for because this is our last time not knowing. I mean, I think that they're going to be moderately successful. Moderately successful. That's me being very, very safe careful. prediction. Yeah. yeah, safe prediction. I'm going to go ahead and say modestly successful. <laughs> Okay, is how I'm going that, to that say that works too. I think that some sort of uh, the like the ending of episode seven of season one, where shit just hits the fan. I am I am uh, afraid that that will be closer to the tonal note that we end season two on. Uh, that like they they started season two in a place of relative peace, right? Like they want to build this thing peacefully, want it to come from a positive place. If they're going to do a season three and more of the bear, then I think there's got to be room still to get back to that positive place. So I feel like we may leave in a negative place is my concern. Um, First image of the season is Marcus bedside with his mother, who he says to Will Poulter's character doesn't have a lot of time left. Yeah, I can see that becoming maybe more prominent as a. It's just interesting to me that that's the first thing of the season, the first image that you see of the season. And I wonder how that is going to ultimately connect back uh, at the end of uh, at the end of this thing. So I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. I, you know, I think that could come into play. I think Ibrahim, maybe like there's something that happens with him because he's definitely not returning to the kitchen. Just off camera, he's just been making the most banging sandwiches ever. He's like, <laughs> I'm back and I know what to do. <laughs> Don't tell me that I need to be classically trained. I can do this. I can do own. this. I can do this. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. Uh, that'd yeah. be something I'd like to see. Yeah. So. We'll see. We'll see how it works. Does Tina step into her Sue position, you know, and really nail it? Or yeah. are there still some growing pains there? Okay. Well, show me that smile on the episodes <laughs> six through 10 recap coming next from myself and chef Emily Fox. We will be back together in a few days, having watched the rest of the season. For those of you who are going to be binging uh, all of it, uh, happy hunting, happy watching. We'll be talking about the remainder of the bear in the next podcast before shifting into some other conversations, the deeper dives into the episodes, all that good stuff. Make sure you're subscribed postshowrecaps.com slash the bear that's 
the RSS link when you search by URL in your podcast player of choice, postshowrecaps.com slash the bear. Or you could just search postshowrecaps the bear wherever you get your podcasts. I'm at Round Howard, wherever you can find me. Emily, where are you? I'm at Emilet, like an omelet, but with an E on Instagram and Twitter. Follow along. Uh, omelet is the name of the penultimate episode I of season that. two of The Bear. I saw uh, The next episodes, if we wanted to try to, to, uh, to uh, predict the uh, remainder of the season based on the episode titles, Fishes, Forks, Bolognese, Omelet, The Bear. Yeah, I mean, I think this is all the components that go into what they're going to have on their final dish. Fit fishes so like tiny little like anchovies or something like that mm, i love a little anchovy forks so with good. which to eat them yeah uh a bolognese with small fishes Ugh, maybe not <laughs> uh wrapped up inside of an omelet oh that's a lot eaten by a bear eaten by a bear okay yes. got it all right i yeah. think we predicted pretty cleanly okay, the good. remainder Woo. of season two don't worry of, guys we got it of the bear all right folks emily and i are coming back in a couple of days to talk about the second half of season two of the bear until then everybody take care bye-bye or should i say Get off.